like eight of us, but your, your voice matters. Okay, so I'm going to start a little bit with Beckwith and build a, build a little context, and then we're going to off-road a little bit today because I want to share some things um, in regard to questions and feedback that's been going on lately that I feel are important to touch on. But if you remember from Beckwith, we have our five foundational capacities, and I fixed the thing, so it, it now twists and turns. But um, receptivity, surrender, gratitude, self-discipline, and willingness. These are those five foundational capacities that are the atmosphere, if you will. They are the air and the moisture of the garden of our lives. And within these five foundational capacities, we have the four stages of consciousness that Beckwith offers us. And this is the dirt, if you will, in the garden of our lives. This is the soil and the fertilizer and all that good stuff. And those four stages, if you remember, our life happens to me, the power is out there. Life happens by me, in other words, I put my hands on the steering wheel. Life happens through me, so I open and I am used. Or life happens as me, that I am life force itself. I am the unique expression of the divine right here without any separation. So if you want to hear about those capacities or you want to hear about those stages of consciousness, those audios are on, on the website. But then he invites us in finally, right, to the life visioning process itself. And those are the seven steps that we might, within the atmosphere of our lives and within the dirt where we nurture things, that we might grow something that we might sprout, excuse me, that greenery, whatever that is for you in your purpose and in your giftings and in your passions and in what you're called to by the divine would emerge, not only out of you, but it would touch others and have a meaningful difference, yes? yes. All right, so he offers life visioning, but there's several processes out there, right? There's the Eightfold Path, if you're in the Buddhist line, and there's the Lessons in A Course in Miracles, and there's WWJD, What Would Jesus Do, right? And there's, <laughs> right, there's a whole system on that. So we have these different pathways to, to find that inner communion beyond all reason and what's obvious that pours out of us unmistakably. This is the point. The point is not our circumstances or achieving a certain amount of success. It's that we would remember who we are, that we would commune, and that out of that, there would be unmistakable action. So what I want to talk to you today about and where we're going to start to off-road, not quite yet, but almost, is what happens when the spiritual path gets real. It's very lovely to talk about the Eightfold Path or WWJD, but what happens when there's a loss? of a relationship or a home or, or a job? What happens when we're angry or hurt or something awful has happened? For most of us, there will come a time when the spiritual path gets very real. Now, we say this, or you might have heard of it, like when you're in the gym, right? And you're exercising and perhaps you're with the trainer on your own and your muscles start to shake, right? And you're like, this exercise just got real because I know where my limitation is I know there's a whole lot of work to do, and all of a sudden I'm very aware. It isn't cloudy that I need to get to the gym, right? It isn't cloudy that I need to work my arms if that's where the... I feel it in my body. It is alive. Curiously, when we feel that moment where life gets very real when we're exercising or in the gym, we don't normally question the path that exercise is really quite healthy, right? We don't normally say, ah, forget exercise, it doesn't work. Do we? No. And we don't normally 
personalize that it's about us. Well, my muscles are just effective. Yes, my muscles just, no, we don't do that. But when life gets real on the spiritual path, when we're not sure if these beliefs work, when we don't know where spirit is, the first two things we do are doubt the path and question the path, or we get personal about our level of adequacy or effectiveness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? This is what we do. And I want to share with you something Beckwood offers, offers about when things get a little dry and we're not hearing quite as well. In the ebb and flow of our practice, there naturally are those times when our prayers feel dry, soulless, and our 20-minute meditation can seem like an eternity filled with a litany of complaints and accusations and criticisms. Suddenly, reading the headlines of a supermarket tabloid is far more alluring than the book we just bought, on how to accelerate our evolutionary progress. (laughs) A spiritual drought has set in uh, for how long we don't know, and it gives us grief. And everything once considered real is now felt to be unreal, causing us to ask if the path we're on no longer serves us, and if it's time to once again explore the aisles of the spiritual supermarket. Can anyone relate to that? Right? Now, this happens to most of us, and it usually happens when we're up against it. And, I, and the reason why I brought in that example of, of exercise is because it's usually pretty clear to us that we need to deepen the practice, we need to submit to the process, and meet ourselves wherever we are. It's pretty obvious when we talk about exercise, right? When it comes to the spiritual path, it isn't that obvious that I actually need to deepen my practice, not abandon it, that I actually need to trust the path, not question or doubt it, and that I need to invite myself into my greater communion or my greater why. Does this make sense? Okay. Now Beckwith warns us and he says, if you notice any of this going on, there's three common things that happen. Have we over-romanticized the path? Have we over-romanticized the path? And he defines that as saying, do we really think it's about perpetual glee and surfing from bliss to bliss? Right? Sometimes we do. It's not supposed to be this hard, right? Not that that isn't a worthwhile question. I mean, sometimes we do make it hard. But there is this thing out there that if I'm really in my spiritual lane, I should just be like in fantasy land. And he names that he doesn't know one master that has had this experience. That it's by far the exception, not the rule. That most of us will have hard moments and their invitations to growth. And it's normal and all part of it. So... Just a caution there that if we have over-romanticized the path to see if we can't give that up. Number two, do we believe only what we want to believe and what feels right according to my truth? Is there a big T truth or is it what feels right or what's comfortable for me? Do you follow me? Not that we have to set those against one another, but too often this whole statement of my truth, have you heard that? Well, I just need to let you know my truth about this, right? It doesn't take into account big T truth. It doesn't take into account that 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 can be alongside a big T truth and woven together for a higher consciousness. And number three, he says, that if we just believe we can practice hard enough, we will arrive. The destination is at hand. Okay? And we buy into this, right? We buy into this arrival. I should be further along. This shouldn't be happening to me. We have all these things that generally don't go on when it's about exercise. It's like, oh, I didn't go to the, I didn't go to the gym this week. Of course it's going to take some work to get back. Of course. It's like obvious and normal. But over here, it's like, God really out there? 
Does this meditation crap really work? I mean, that's what we often do, right? So Beckwith invites us that what is really going on here, through all the smoke and mirrors of our circumstances and our pain and the, the beautiful things we hope for, what is really going on here is that the spiritual path is being made real. And we are invited to go within and see, do we really have an inner anchor built? Do we really have an inner anchor built? And will we go within to nurture it rather than judge it? He says that growing spiritually means that we redirect evaluations of the path and personalizations of adequacy or ineffectiveness about the path instead to go into greater communion, to instead go within and connect and remember, to build that inner anchor about what's really going on here and what is my true purpose. Can you feel what I'm talking about? Okay. So I want to talk to us, and this is where we're going to off-road because this is not in the book. I want to talk to us about four ways that we build our inner anchor. And three of them we've heard plenty about, so I'm just going to name them. The fourth one is the one I really want to go into that has often been asked here. um, But for me, it's much less talked about. So far, so good? Okay. Before we actually go there, there is something I want to hear from you, though. Have you noticed that when when the... Poop is hitting the fan, (laughs) and the chips are down, and you have found that sweet spot of connection. You have remembered. You have felt something. Does it not change everything? Is there not a peace, even if the circumstances are still heated up, right? Can you not hear an opening or an idea that may not make sense, but you know you need to do it? And it might even be completely independent and, and even seem disconnected, but you know that's the direction, yes? Okay. What do you guys do? What do you do to access that place? How do you find your inner anchor? How do you remember communion when times are hard and your beliefs feel like maybe they're not so real? Because we really need to hear from one another what we do, how we access something that's alive. Anybody willing to throw something out there? Be quiet. Be quiet, right? Shh. <laughs> it's like, turn the volume down on that the bills have to be paid, or my husband is upset, or I don't have a job. Not that that's not important, but turn it down, because it's all outer, it's all effect, and get quiet, right? Listen. Listen to something higher. Absolutely. What else? What else do you do? Make a call. Make a call. Just to anyone? No. No. I've got my spiritual gurus. Right? We make, we make a call. Right? We, we make a call to God, our... You got out of the gutter. You know. <laughs> right? And it, it's at this time that those resources, right, the people, the teachers, the groups, they are indispensable. Because they know you and they'll remind you, this isn't you. Or, you know, you told me last week. And it's like, oh, yeah. They, like, oh, yeah. Right? And they bring you back into that groove. That's right. Make a call. Because we have lifelines. <laughs> Robin. Well, I do all of also. And I journal. Journal. Me, it's like, get, get it clear what's going on. Right? Get, get something out. Whether it's journaling or exercise or however you release. Because when we can cathart, boy, can that create clarity. You know, whether you need to cry or get angry or go for a run or journal. Just that, ugh. Mm-hmm. You just created space. Right? Which is how we can listen. Paulette. 
I have very consciously reflected back on a time when I realized I've always been taken care of. That even though it may look like the worst possible scenario in the moment, that I look back and I reflect on, I've never been homeless. I've clearly never missed a meal. <laughs> it's all always worked. It may have been up to the 11th and a half hour. Sure. However, I've always been taken care of. Yes. Yes. And mm. in fact, he mentions that in the book, and he references Howard Thurman, and he calls it remembered radiance. Mm. So we remember that radiance that, or whatever your name is, that always took care of us that always showed up, that we felt super strong before, not in this moment, but we felt it before, and we open ourselves to savor remembered radiance. Thank you. Uh, walk in nature. Walk in nature, right? Get your feet in the ocean, see a sunset, climb a mountain, get in the trees, yeah. right? Get in nature, yes. Can you feel these? Mm-hmm. These, are, these are portals and vortexes and ways in, Lisa. So when doing all those don't take me where I know I need to be, then yes. it's really about asking for divine help. Mm-hmm. When none of those work, you let go. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't have to control this. I don't have to solve this. Maybe it's not my job. And you ask for help. And surrender. Like, yeah. knowing I don't, I can't do this all by myself. Yeah. So yeah. For help. And in our ambitious Western culture, to let go and let spirit, right? To let go and ask. It's a tough one. I love that. It's like, but yeah, we're so hard-headed. We should do that first. (laughs) 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 How would that be, right? If we started there, we might not need the other five things, right? No, it's a, it's a, it's a flow, right? And we, and, and I think most of us will find ourselves pulled toward this direction or pulled toward that direction. And, and I love that we don't have to choose, but I, I want to talk about four things, many of which you've mentioned that help us build, uh, this inner anchor. And this, this list of four things is by no means conclusive. Um, so there are four important ones. And the fourth one is the one I really want to spend some time on. So number one is our practice. Our practice is critical. We got to get to the gym, if you will whatever that is for you, our meditation, the scriptures that we read, you know, many of the things that you mentioned, we call people, we go to things, whether it's church or a sacred group, but the practice, it's like the tennis shoes or the mattress of being able to have a good job or get a good sleep. The practice is critical because it opens up the groove and it builds the capacity. We know a lot about that, so I won't say more about that, but it is important to, to not confuse that the practice is not the thing. The practice is not the thing. The practice is the pointer to the thing. You with me? Right? So my meditations will be on and off. The meditation is not the thing. It's a pointer and a helper and a trainer of my body to be able to experience and know and remember the thing. Yes? Okay. Number two, awareness. Slowing down. Opening my perspective. Listening to all my senses, not just my five physical senses, listening to that still small voice within, looking at the synergies that are happening. So it's a slowing down and an opening up and allowing myself not to know, but letting a deeper knowing show me. Yes? And Eckhart Tolle reminds us that awareness is the most effective catalyst for change. Whoo! Most effective. 
Okay? Number three, that our spirituality is lived. Our spirituality is lived. That means these aren't just beliefs that we have. That means we apply them to life in the moment. So we learn to stay an impulse. Or if we're inhibited, we learn to take a risk. Or we learn to not necessarily react, but listen and tune in for the pro-action. So even if it's 5% a day, or 5% of the normal way we would engage, we have a practice and a method that helps us live and apply what we believe in real time. These aren't just nice things we do. For <laughs> I, I met with this lovely lady <clears throat> sharing some of this, and she said, well, I did it for 60 seconds at the start of the day. And I was like, uh-oh, right? <laughs> That's going to last about 10 minutes, right? You know what I mean? So it, it was a, it, you know, this isn't a checkoff. This is a living thing, right, that it's like, okay, let me slow down. What's going on, spirit? Help me out here. I'm willing, right? And, and there's a surrender, and there's a tuning in, and a stillness, and a getting quiet, and a reaching out. And our practices and our beliefs are actualized at our growth edge, okay? Now, this is what I want to talk about today. Are there any comments about all that? <laughs> Anything you want to say about all that? Are we good? Are we locked? Okay. I know, I know this isn't new. Okay. Number four, a felt relationship. This is a felt relationship, this piece of our inner anchor. A felt relationship. It is a living, connected, experienced reality in the body. We're not so good at this. It's a living, experienced relationship in the body. This is the thing. This is, all, this is the purpose of all the other practices. This is what we are aware of. This is what we meditate for. The reason why we apply our beliefs as a practice ahead of the game is so that in the moment, I can access the living relationship. Do you feel me? Yes. A felt relationship. For most of us, it's far away and few glimpses in between because we almost don't believe or don't know how to access that this is a living, embodied reality. And most of the times when we encounter those openings or those aha moments, we just remembered. It isn't that we did all this work and climbed to the mountaintop and I got the golden key to this problem. It isn't like that. It's like we just remembered. We just went into the heart or we just heard something or we just received grace. And it's like, oh, that's right. Thank you. It's a felt relationship. That's the thing. Can you feel the energetic difference from that, from anything we would practice or check off? It's a wilderness. It isn't like, okay, I did my five-minute meditation. It's like, it's a wilderness. It's like that. Yeah? So let me give you... um, four ingredients for this piece of felt relationship. And I really want you guys to create this with me. What are your words? Where does this resonate for you? How is your living relationship, whether it's Jesus or divine intelligence, how do you feel that? How do you know that? How does that come to life? So number one, our heart is open and available, not crusty, (laughs) not hiding, not arrogant. It doesn't mean we're not working on it. it. doesn't mean we don't have our growth edge. But in general, our heart is it's open to be connected to, which actually is the definition of relationship. 
is connection. So our heart is available to connect. You follow me? Number two, our attitude and posture is genuine, honest, transparent, and humble. Our attitude and posture, our energy. It's not like we know better. It's not like it's my way or the highway. There's a, there's a humility and a transparency about the good and the bad, right? In this felt living relationship, it's like, yes, I am great at this and I love it. And you know what? This one's really hard for me and I hate it and I wish it were gone. You know, so there's just an... Have you ever had those moments in conversation where you just get honest? And it isn't an honesty of like, I'm going to tell you all your crap. It's like, here's where I really am. Where are you? That, that's what I'm talking about. There's a melting of the walls. Number three, there's a sense of our worth and our value that we give and receive love. There's a sense of our worth and our value that we can give and receive love. I love Brene Brown's definition of this, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate it for us in the spiritual path. And she's talking about wholehearted living. Brene Brown, a noted author and speaker. Wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness at base. A place of worthiness at base. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I'm enough. So we engage life from a basic place of worth. Now let me translate that to you in terms of our, this felt relationship I'm talking about. We engage our spirituality or our God or our, our divinity. We engage that <clears throat> from a place of worth. That means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done today, no matter what I do to someone else or someone has done to me, I love you and you love me and here we are. Feel that for a moment. I love you and you love me and here we are in it together. Oh, that was a lovely breath. Let's do that again. (laughs) And number four. Okay, so we've got our heart is open and available or we can connect. We've got that our attitude is genuine and honest and transparent. We've got that we engage from a sense of our worth, where we can give and receive love at the end of the day. And number four, commitment. Number four, commitment. Not to rigid practices, not to I have to be a goody-goody because that's what you know purity, integrity is. No, it's a commitment to the relationship beyond the day-to-day, beyond all the chatter, just like we do to our kids, right? Or just like we do to our jobs, right? We show up in the ups and downs, right? Well, we have these explosions, but we find our way through. We take a look at ourselves, right? So there's a commitment. There's a foundation. There's a framework for this to flourish within. Felt relationship. So what I'm really wanting to emphasize today is that there is a living embodied reality. That's the thing. That's the point. And that this really is the um, main substance of our inner anchor, of our spiritual maturity. Let me ask you, how do these things land? Is there anything you would add when you think about really developing spiritually, really mastering and maturing in your interior anchor so that we have something that holds us through all the ups and downs and hurts and hopes and 
devastations and mountaintops. Lisa, what would you add to this felt relationship? Well, what hits me about this is that attitude's everything. Mm. Mm. Because if my attitude is off and I'm not humble, I can't be open and I can't receive it and I'm not looking to the other to, from a really caring place. Yes. From my perspective, not really. Yes. To hurry up and finish because I've got to <laughs> That's right. Right. Whatever it is. right. I'm right here. Yeah. Oh, I've got yeah. an answer for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that jumps off the page at me. Yeah, you're so right. If we are not open and genuine and transparent, we've just cut everything off. Yeah. And hurry it up. <laughs> right, I go, hurry it up here. Right? That's a big one. I have my list to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to, I mean, that's so true. It's like the hurry it up thing. It's like the faith, like it's always worked out, right? And then, okay, it's just not time. Don't, it's like, it's, just not the right time for this to happen and just say that prayer or yes. say okay i get it it's not time i'm trying to force this take yes. it take it and yeah. when it's time bring it yes yes and then we've just switched from transactional to transformational because right. when we're on time and when we're right or i have the answer for you that's all about getting somewhere right but when we can slow that impulse when we can release it when we can open up things have just become transformational that's what the wilderness is all about Right. It happened to me this morning, just real quick. Yeah, it was like please. I was in this, like, I, this, I, I'm done with it, Lord. I don't understand it. It's not happening. It should be happening, and I quit. And 10 <laughs> minutes later, ping, oh, there's the answer. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yes, right? <laughs> right? I should have said, you idiot. <laughs> But you got it 10 minutes later, right? And and what metaphysicians would say is that the answers are coming. We're just not getting it. We're not letting it, you know what I mean? We're missing it. We're missing the text. 10 minutes is pretty good, John. I I salute you. That's a text. I mean, that's pretty good. It just seems like the basis for a movie. Yes. Yes. Anybody else want to comment? Joe? I I was going to say, what if it would have been 30 minutes? Sean, would you have still been there? (laughs) No, it just seems to me, these are really awesome. It seems to me that none of them are independent or interdependent Mm. of each other. Or maybe they are all interdependent of each other because I don't think we can really achieve felt relationship until all four of them are present. And not one leads to the other. There's the the other side of it, too, not... Being connected is more important than committing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all just as important as each other, and I think all four need to be present to make it a complete, felt relationship. You know, we all have skill sets in different ones of these, and depending on the day or time, we'll, either one of them will have more access to or not. But when we are in those sweet spot moments, I would guarantee every one of these is here. You're tuning into a practice. There's an awareness of what really matters. You're living what's happening, and you're connected. There's a feeling there, and I'm not talking about emotionality. There's a feeling of this is it, or this is right, or I am home, or I know. Not I know from the brain. I know from oneness. I know from me and my maker, right? It was like, Lord, okay, I got it. There's a higher knowing, right, John? Yeah. Nicole? What comes up for me is that instead of living life and letting life live through me, 
And that instead of being at the effect of something, I am affecting everything. Yes, right? I am affecting everything rather than being at effect. So I just, I just come into my birthright to live at cause, right? We are not dum-dums, right? We are meant to live at cause. Yes. Oh, sister, keep coming back. Keep coming back. We, we, we all have that question, right? What does it look like? And it's different for all of us. But we first put the mindset on. And, and you see this in every religion and tradition, but what's coming to me now is that Jesus said, you will do greater things than this than I. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right? You will do greater things. Right? Greater things. Lisa and then Bonnie, and then we'll uh, start to wrap up. Well, you said this really well, and I thought it was a great analogy. Like, just watching you do it, too, was really helpful. So uh, on Thursday night, when you, like, acted out the huddling with God. Yeah, I like that. Which is like huddle with God first. Like like John said earlier, like, okay, do I really have to go through this, drag myself through this process, or can I start with the huddle? Yeah. And then, you know, when you just said that about Jesus, what made me think the teaching is like when you go away and you get quiet and you go to the garden and you pray. And you go to that inner room. Yes. Yes. And that's the huddle. And then it's from there. We should write a book called The Huddle, right? How many of us have not hunkered down, you know, and done the huddle, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, the huddle. Bonnie, did you? So what's standing out for me because I've I've kind of had a rough week um, is the commitment to stay in the game Mm -hmm. and to keep coming back to center, even if I don't feel it right in this moment, mm-hmm. even if I don't feel like I'm, my, I don't have an attachment to my own worth right in this moment, you know, like, oh, I'm not enough, mm-hmm. and everything is crappy, and whatever. Whatever, whatever the, right, yeah, ego chatter. To keep the practice going, keep going into silence, keep listening, keep asking, even if I don't get the answer right away, that's what it looks like for me. Is to kind of answer your question. It, it's not the answer, it's just an answer. Yeah, yeah. Of just keep going because I have commitment to being my highest self, to being my best, to, to express the highest that I can. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay, now here's the thing. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh. Pregnant pause. Here's the thing our relationships with spirit almost always mirror our relational beliefs as a whole. So I'm talking about this felt living relationship, right? If we tend to be afraid in relationships, if we tend to feel unlovable, if we tend to be fixers and we're going to do it, right? However we view or what we believe in relationships will usually be projected on to this felt relationship I'm talking about. We won't trust, we'll have to do it all, or we do nothing because we believe you know, that they should do it. So whatever our relational beliefs are in general are usually well alive in this felt relationship with divinity. <laughs> she just, oh shit. Okay. That's so interesting because then the opposite is true, right? Meaning? Meaning if you're really in trust, in relationship with soul. Oh, oh yes, it was, then, yes, absolutely. 
oh, how interesting how other things work out, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's actually really big. So I'd like you each to just take a private moment for one minute, a private personal inventory, and just notice if there isn't a predominant belief about relationships, whether it's I'm fully trusting and I, you know, connections where it's at, or I'm a little scared of relationships. I, I don't know if I give myself, right? Just no judgment. This is just a moment of discovery. So just take a minute in the privacy of your own mind and notice if there isn't a predominant relational belief or behavior and then allow an um, honest inquiry if there's an invitation or a possibility for healing in your relationship with divinity. And this is just for you. So just maybe take another 20 seconds to see if there isn't an invitation or a celebration in how you live a felt relationship in your body with spirit. When you're done with that, let yourself have a breath. And I'm going to close this time with a, um, with a lovely invitation. So let yourself have a breath. And <clears throat> you are being presented with a choice. Evolve or remain the same. If you choose to remain unchanged... You will be presented with the same challenges, the same routine, the same storms, the same situations until you love yourself enough to say, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be part of that anymore. I'm done. It's that done place, yes? Okay? If you choose to evolve, you will connect with the strength within you. Whew, that feels good. You will connect with the strength within you. You will explore what lies outside your comfort zone. You will awaken to love, and you will become. Notice how that's a full stop. You will become. You have all you need. Choose to evolve, choose to love. You have all you need. Choose to evolve, choose to love. Oh, let yourself have a breath with that. And I'm going to ask my guitarist to go back to the guitar. Take a moment just to be before I share announcements and we'll do a closing, a closing blessing. <clears throat> All right. So um, we have our hiking group. We invite you to come out for our hiking club. That's on Saturday the 15th. Our men's group, for those of you in the back, is Wednesday the 12th. And our women's group is Thursday the 13th. And I'm particularly excited about this one because we're going to talk about uh, nourishing to flourish. Nourish to flourish. All right? Let me ask you to close your eyes while I bless us. Let the music wash over you and take a private minute to be and breathe before I close us in prayer. <clears throat> 